You're listening to the Shoreline Community Church Podcast. For more information, check out our website at www.shorelinecc.com. You know, it's hard to believe that we're at the end of our Freedom Series. Eight weeks in, and we find ourselves at the end. And I love it this week because Galatians 6 is really a continuation of Galatians 5. Because we know if we're to walk and we're to live free, freedom is only found in following God. As we surrender our lives to the Holy Spirit and allow that Spirit-filled life to transform us, walking in the Spirit, keeping in step with the Spirit. And Paul closes out this important letter by bringing us to the important purpose of freedom. See, freedom is not just for ourselves, but freedom is a restorative work in that the Spirit empowers us now to help each other whether it's those in our community or those outside of our community. And Paul is trying to motivate this church that he loves, saying that you need to be filled with the Spirit and now walk in the Spirit. And so this week, he brings us to an important purpose of the Spirit that he outlines here. And so today, we're going to be talking about restoration. Everyone say restoration. Restoration. How many you can do with a little bit of restorative work in your own life, okay? Or maybe after a week of eating for Thanksgiving, you're like, I need some restoration going on in my life, in my heart. <laughs> my favorite food, by the way, is pecan pie. See, I grew up in Newfoundland, and there's not a whole lot of pecan trees. Or do you guys say pecan or pecan? Pecan, that's the right way, right? There's not a whole lot of pecan trees in Newfoundland. So when I came down to go to university, and I started traveling for the university, every church I went to during Thanksgiving had a pecan pie. And I knew the glory of the Lord was in that place. So So that's what I'll be doing after Thanksgiving. But today we're talking about restoration. Paul starts off in verse 1. He says, If anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore them in a spirit of gentleness. How many of you have ever gotten caught? How many you're afraid you're going to get caught right now? See, we get caught. People get caught all the time. And Paul, he's talking about getting getting caught in the context of Christian community. He's not preaching this in the streets, but he's going to this church that he planted, and he's saying that if anyone is caught, meaning that as Christians, sometimes we find ourselves caught. As followers of Christ, we get caught. And by caught, what Paul is talking about is he's talking about this element of surprise. And it's not this good surprise like a birthday that somebody just had where you walk in a room and they go, surprise, and you're excited. This is the kind of surprise where you're off by yourself and someone opens the door and says, surprise. It's a bad surprise. It's a scary surprise. It's a fearful surprise. And even as we look at this whole aspect of getting caught, there's typically two scenarios that we find ourselves in. Because there's a scenario of getting caught where you were doing something that you thought nobody would ever find out. Okay? This happens a lot in childhood, doesn't it? You do something, you think no one's going to find out, you take that extra piece of pecan pie and you hide it under your bed thinking dad won't find it, only to forget and a month later someone walks in the room and they start smelling something. You get caught. You get found out. That's the surprise. You get found out. But sometimes as we walk through this life, we find ourselves getting caught that we are surprised ourselves. We find ourselves in a situation that we never thought we would ever be in. You ever been there? I've been there, okay? 
For those of you that are new, this is my confessional time, so there's going to be several self-confessions that are going to come out through this. And there are times that we find ourselves, for whatever reason, in a situation that we now feel caught. We feel trapped. And I think we've all been there from time to time. There's times that we've been caught by somebody else, we're trying to hide something, and there's times that we found ourselves caught where we've been surprised. I think an area that we often find ourselves surprised in as followers of Christ and just as people in general is that we're often surprised by our own pride. Pride often finds us caught, doesn't it? Because how how many humble people do we have here today? All of you, right? We're all humble people, laying before the Lord. No one's more humble than you are, right? And then all of a sudden, we find the Lord putting his finger on an area of pride in our life. We find ourselves caught. Because as soon as we declare our humbleness, in that same moment, we're also guilty of pride. We, this happens to us in so many areas. We find ourselves caught and trapped. But Paul is here today to declare to you, empowered by the Holy Spirit, that getting caught is actually a good thing. It doesn't feel good at the time, but getting caught is a loving act of Jesus Christ because because he loves us, he wants to reveal it. He wants us to be restored. Because, see, if we're going to be restored, one of the first things that we need to be able to deal with is honesty with ourselves. We need to be able to look at ourselves honestly and see where we are. Because until we recognize that we are lost, until we recognize that we need restoration, there's no hope, is there? Have you ever tried to help somebody that was lost and was afraid to admit it? These are often student drivers or my dad, okay? They don't recognize they're lost, And so if they don't recognize they're lost, there's nothing we can do to help them. That's why Jesus comes in lovingly to catch us. And sometimes he'll even send people to catch you because he wants to see you restored. See, our preference would be to hide it and to move on. When we have things in our life that we're dealing with, we want to hide them. We don't want anybody to come in, but we follow two of the greatest lies from from Satan. Do you know what the two of the greatest lies from Satan are? Two of the greatest lies from Satan. The first one is, I can handle. Everyone say, I can handle it. You just told a lie in church. You can't handle it. You can't handle the truth, okay? You can't handle it. (laughs) Even famous movie lines bring that out. We cannot handle it. We were not made to handle it. We can do all things, but we can only do all things through Christ who gives us strength. It is not in ourselves. I can't handle it. That's why I have friends. That's why there are ministries, people trained to walk alongside of us. So if you ever find yourself saying, I can handle it, you need to recognize honestly, no, I can't. Everyone say, no, I can't. can't. Now you're walking in honesty. There we go. The other lie that Satan loves to put your way is this lie where he says, no one will ever know. It's a secret. So first he says, you can handle it. And then he says, no one will ever know. It's a secret. You can hide it. But can I tell you one of the biggest secrets in our society today? One of the biggest secrets that we're not willing to face. And here's the secret. The biggest secret is there are no secrets. There are no secrets. I remember being at a conference on sexual purity years ago. And in that room, they had a room of pastors that they were talking to, walking through. And the the guest speaker got up, who has walked many people through some incredibly hurtful, challenging situations. 
And he opened his session by saying, there are no secrets. If there were secrets, we would not know about the sins of David. God put all those in the Bible, didn't he? The Bible is not an edited piece of work that hides the sins. It reveals them and shows the restorative nature of God. There are no secrets. My mom would tell me all the time as a kid, maybe it was a reflection on, on me, but she'd always say, Dwayne, your sins are going to find you out. Aren't you glad for, glad for godly moms and dads? And she was right. Every time I walked into sin or did something wrong, she would find out. I knew that God saw me, but I thought God had my back. But what would happen is I would be out fishing, okay, because I came from the middle of nowhere, and I would be way up in the country, way upstream with my best friend, and we'd be fishing. I would reach over and push him in the water and then run home, okay? (laughs) That's what we do. And I kid you not, this is before cell phones. This is before moms had drones that were following their kids around the city. This was before all of that. And by the time I got home, my mom knew I pushed Daryl in the water. And I think God was showing me something to say, Dwayne, there are no secrets. Jesus said this in Luke 8. He said, for all that is secret will eventually be brought into the open, and everything that is concealed will be brought to light and made known to all. Why? Because he loves us. Jesus loves you too much to look at you in your sin, in the things you're trying to hide, and to let it go rotten and stink and destroy you. Jesus loves you enough to allow you to get caught, to reveal it, and to allow his healing to be poured into your life. This is what Jesus does. He loves us. See, Jesus, he's out to restore us. And as now his followers, as people, men and women who are walking in God, do you know what our role is now? Our role is to restore. Jesus, he fills us with his spirit, and he's saying, now I want you to go out. I want you to be used in this work, the supernatural work, to restore others. That's why Paul says, you who are spiritual should restore them in a spirit of gentleness. See, when Paul uses the word restore, what Paul means, he means to make fit, to make sound, to make complete. In other words, to put back in order and to make one what they were made to be. How many of you want that? You want a full restoration? God, make me fit, make me sound, make me complete in Christ to how you made me. This is a restorative work. This is a restorative work. And he says, you who are spiritual, because this is a spiritual activity. This is not something that you can do on your own. This is not something that I can do on my own. This is as the Spirit comes in and supernaturally works in my life and your life. And the good thing about the Spirit is that the Spirit is very surgical, like a surgeon, isn't he? He comes in like a surgeon and just looks in and divides and pulls it out. If the Spirit wasn't a surgeon, we would be destroyed. But he's able to go in and restore and pull it out and say, let me deal with that. Let me help you through this. This is why Paul, as he's speaking, and specifically as he's talking about this work of restoration, He's saying that in order to engage in restoration, it requires spiritual maturity. It's a spiritual work, so it requires spiritual maturity. 
See, when Paul speaks about it, he's addressing mature believers who are doing what we talked about and learned about last week in Galatians 5. Believers who are walking in the Spirit, believers who are living in the Spirit, believers who are alive and filled with His Spirit, because in order to do what he says in verse 1, to restore gently, we need to be mature and to be filled with the Spirit. Really, the whole message today is a continuation of last week's message by Pastor Stephanie about how to walk in the Spirit. Now it's what we do, what we're enabled to do. This is what it says in Galatians 5. In Galatians 5, Paul outlines what it means to walk in the Spirit. And in 16 it says, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. They are opposed to each other, and they keep you from doing the things that you want to do. Have you ever been there? Have you ever echoed the words of Paul, where the things I want to do, I can't do? It's the power of the Spirit, active and alive in us, that enables us to do it. Because the Spirit and the flesh are like this, aren't they? You find that? Anybody resonating with that today? The spirit and the flesh are in constant opposition. My flesh yearns for one thing, but the spirit comes in and says, no, Dwayne, that will destroy you. This is the spirit-filled life. That's why every day I wake up and I say, Lord, fill me with your spirit. Fill me with your power. Show me. I pray the prayer of David every day. God, if there's any unknown sin, anything concealed in my life, reveal it to me and show me, oh God. Show me, oh God. Walking in the Spirit. Because as we step into this work of restoration, Paul issues a warning. Paul says that as we walk in restoration, that we are to watch out lest you be tempted. In other words, if we are not mature, if we're not walking in the Spirit, we are at risk of being caught by the very thing that we are trying to rescue somebody from. And we've seen that happen, haven't we? Have you ever tried to rescue somebody? and you found yourself being caught at the same time? You ever tried to pull somebody out of the water and you end up getting pulled into it yourself? It takes strength. It takes maturity. And even for us, I think as we walk forward, we need to be mindful that often the most prideful are the ones who accuse others of being prideful. Often those filled with the most hate are those who are very aware of the hatred in others. See, we often recognize the things that we struggle with in ourselves, don't we? I can very easily point out in your life the things that I'm struggling with in my life. Is that resonating with anybody? <laughs> okay? I can resonate, I can point out stuff that I'm battling with, okay? And even times I'll go to somebody and say, you know what, brother? I love you, I'm walk, I, I see you, I want to walk alongside you, and I want to point something out. And there are times that I've even said, look, I can point this out to you because I'm struggling with the same thing. That's part of the honesty, isn't it? You want to work in restoration with somebody, you be honest with somebody and say, you know what, I see it in your life, you know why I see it? Because I'm struggling with it. Let me encourage you to get those words in your mouth. Vulnerability brings about healing. Jesus said this in Matthew 7. He said, why worry about the speck in your friend's eye when you've got a log in your own eye? Something else my mom used to tell me all the time. Man, I must have been really messed up. All these verses mom was throwing my way. 
How can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you get rid of the speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye? Jesus says, you're a hypocrite. First, get rid of the log in your own eye, and then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. See, when we bring an offense to Jesus, and let me say it this way, when I bring an offense to Jesus, Jesus, man, I'm really, this bothers me, this really bugs me about that person. Do you know what Jesus' first words are back to me in my heart? He said, you're worried about that guy? He says, Dwayne, how you doing? I watch a lot of Rocky movies. Look, I think we're on Rocky, what, 25 right now? New one coming out? And they're all good, well, except for number five, but they're all, they're all pretty good. But Jesus looks at me and he says, Dwayne, how are you doing? He's like, yes, that needs to be dealt with in their life, but before he sends out a tool... Remember, Jesus was a carpenter. And what does every carpenter do before they start cutting? They sharpen the tool. Every good carpenter that I've seen, before they begin this woodworking project, they look to the tools and they begin to sharpen. How many of you have ever been sharpened by the Holy Spirit, by God in your life? He calls you to do a work, and you're ready to run. You're ready to go. He's just like, hold on. Let's do some sharpening. Let's get you ready. Because Jesus loves you too much not to send you out blunt and unprepared. Now, you don't have to be perfect. He does that work. But he sharpens us. And that's hard. That's difficult. There were times that I thought I was ready to go and conquer the world. And Jesus looked at me and said, how you doing? You need to sit down, Dwayne. And let me sharpen you first. And that's difficult when we're anxious, right? But we're told that we're to be anxious for nothing. I've seen a lot of good plans go very bad that were ruined by anxiousness. I've seen incredible men and women of God make the right decision, the right call, point the right way, but because they were anxious, they crushed it before they even got to the field. They crushed it before they even got downtown because they were too anxious. And the Lord was looking in their life like he looks in my life and says, let me sharpen you first. Let me prepare you first. Let me pour into you first. And I would encourage you even right now just to take a moment, just to pause. And let me invite you just to kind of just to close your eyes and just to block everything out. And just take a moment to ask yourself, am I bothered by someone else's behavior Because I have the same issue or challenge in my life. This is just you and the Lord, just right now. Just you and God, ask that question. Am I bothered by someone else's behavior because I have the same issue or challenge in my life? And ask the Lord, Lord, where is the log in my own eye? I'm just going to pause for a moment. Allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you. Amen. Lord, reveal to me any areas of my life where there's a log in my eye. That by the power of your Holy Spirit, the great physician, you want to remove it today. Do your work in us, I pray. And everyone said together? Amen, amen. If you got a log pulled from your eye just now, just say, ouch.
Ouch. <laughs> it's a good healing. It's a good healing. It's a good thing. All right, so Paul, talking about being restorative, then Paul also points out in moving along, he's saying, okay, you're brought to the work of restoration, but Paul wants us to pay attention to our technique because technique is everything, isn't it? Technique is very important. And Paul says here that when you're restoring somebody, you're to restore them gently. Now think about who's saying this. This is the Apostle Paul. For those of you that you've read, you know who this guy was. This guy was a fiery persecutor of the church that he's now serving. This is a guy, he saw the problem, he ran to it. He fought it. He was pumped up and ready to go. And now he's gone from this fiery persecutor of the church to a gentle restorer? How does that work? It's the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit in Paul transforming him because as we learned last week, gentleness is a fruit of the... Spirit. When we're filled with the Spirit, our response is gentleness. It's humility. It's a response that says, look, I'm not perfect, but I'm here because I love you. It's a spirit of humility where even as I was talking with a friend this past week going through a difficult time, and and I asked him, I said, how can we walk alongside of you better? Because a lot of times we see somebody going through a hard time, don't we? And we don't know what to do. Have you ever been there? You see somebody go through a hard time, and you're like, you know what? I don't want to go up and ask them about it. I don't want to embarrass them. I don't want to go up and talk to them about it like I'm being all judgy. I don't want to go up and talk to them because I just, I'm afraid they won't like me, or I'm afraid I'll do it wrong, and I just don't want to move. Have you ever been there before? And, and I asked them, I said, you know, what helps? Because people love you. They want to be there for you, but I think there's a lot of fear in the room. Do you know what we came down to in that conversation? That was over great coffee, by the way. The Lord was there. As we walk this out, I think a lot of times you just, it's going up to somebody and saying, look, I don't know how to do this right. I'm going to create a very awkward situation for you and really an awkward situation for me, but I see you're going through something. I just want to tell you, I love you. I'm here for you. How can I be here for you? And nobody said to me, He said, that's perfect. Just walking up to somebody and going, you know what, this is awkward. I see you, I love you, I want to be there for you. I don't know how. Even now I'm saying, Holy Spirit, help me. But I don't want to pass by you and have you think that I don't see you, that I don't love you, that I don't care about you. So I'm going to be awkward, please forgive me, but how can I help you? How can I love you? That's the walk, isn't it? Honestly, getting it out. Wouldn't you appreciate that? You're going through a hard time. Someone comes and said, I don't know what to do, but I love you and I see it. And I just, I want to be there for you. We cannot be put into fear of silence as it deals with restoration. We're not coming in as experts. Jesus is the expert. The Holy Spirit empowers us. But we have to move and be honest with it. Not come in and going, hey, I, I, got, a, I got a great 50-step manual for you. But coming and saying, I don't know what to do. I'm here for you. How can I walk with you? How can I be with you? See, we have to be gentle as we walk in this with people. We have to be honest because when we're talking about restoration, we're talking about that aspect of often removing weeds, removing weeds from people's lives. And Jesus told us that weeding is very dangerous. He told us about this in Matthew 13, the parable of weeds. He said weeds are, are dangerous because if they're not pulled gently, if they're not pulled out carefully, you can pull out the weed and the plant and destroy both. 
See, in that parable, the workers, they saw the weeds and said, the enemy came in while we're sleeping and planted weeds. Can we go out and just pull them up? And the owner said, no, don't do that. Because if you just start yanking, buddy, you might yank the plant up and then there's nothing left to harvest. You ever done that? You ever pulled a weed out and the whole thing came out and you went, man, what happened? See, this is where we struggle because we see a weed and sometimes because of what's going on in our head or our heart or our experience, we have several ways of responding to it where, first of all, there's the ignore it. We don't know what to do, so we ignore it and what happens? The weed grows and destroys it. Or sometimes we do what these workers want to do. We want to just yank it out and it destroys the plant. And sometimes we want to go to Home Depot and just buy the biggest, strongest spray we have, and man, we're just spraying everything around. We're going to kill all these weeds. What happens? The weed dies, the yard dies, the earth is contaminated, maybe some blew back on you, and you've ingested some, and now you're experiencing some challenges. We can't spray everything. Think about how that works out in your life. You ever try to spray everything in your life, you end up killing and hurting, making everyone around you sick? I'll take that as a yes, I have, okay? But see, here's our call. And here's what Jesus does. Our call is like the master gardener that gets down on their hands and their knees and sees the weed, and it sees you. You're the plant. And it caresses the plant, and it starts to dig in, and it starts to pull up that weed very carefully. Have you ever experienced the work of Jesus in your life that way? There's a weed growing around you, trying to destroy you. And Jesus gets on his hands and his knees and says, I got you. It's going to be okay. You're going to feel a little tug right here. Something's going to smell bad about right now, but it's going to be okay. And everything that Jesus does, he says to us, you'll do these things and even more because my spirit is in you. This is our posture as a body of Christ. When we see somebody hurting, someone needs restoration, we're getting on our hands and our knees and saying, brother, I got you. Sister, I have you. That's what Pastor Willie's doing down at the Bread of Life. The broken, the homeless coming in saying, I see you. I got you. (laughs) It's dirty work. It may seem like it's easier to spray everything or yank everything, but that destroys. You've got to get on your hands and knees. And even if you can't do it for everybody, do it for one. Find somebody, help them, pour into them. This is our call. Get being filled with the Holy Spirit, getting our hands dirty. I'm telling you what, there's nothing like seeing a plant grow healthy and bearing the fruit it was made to bear. See, this is the work of restoration. This is our call as individuals. This is our call as Shoreline Community Church. This is our call as the body of Christ across Shoreline, across Seattle, across Washington, across the entire world, is to be in the restorative work of men and women filled with the power of God on their hands and knees serving and saying, I got you. Too many times we've rushed in and we've just tried to yank things out or we've tried to spray things out and we wonder why people love Jesus and they don't love the church. Jesus said, what are you doing with that? Lovingly helping somebody, pulling out, restoring, walking with them. It's hard. And along the way, you may hurt somebody as you try to pull it out. Know what you do if you hurt somebody? Say, I'm sorry for hurting you. (laughs) How can I help you? That's not my intent. I'm sorry for hurting you. Let me go find somebody who can help us walk through that. I'm going to stay with you. Let's, Let's go over here. This person's really good at this kind of work. 
Celebrate Recovery is really good with Robert and Trish. I'm going to walk through this. Pure Desire is really good at walking people through who, who have been hurt and harmed sexually. We have life groups. We have classes. We have people. We have ministries like what Sue Staltz is doing in walking through people who are at, at that, re, that, that end of life experiences, how to care for your mom and dad. And Sue, I love what you're doing. The body of Christ is filled with men and women empowered by the Lord. But we need to walk through this process with people, not being in a hurry, being gentle in our approach and our pace. Because it's not the same speed for everything, right? I told you, I, talk, I confessed to you two weeks ago about how I ran this half marathon and I got passed by a grandmother with her niece running backwards talking to her, passing by me. <laughs> and she was saying, good for you, you go. I don't think the niece was even sweating. I don't, and I was like profusely. But we all finished together. This is the gentleness to restore. So as believers and followers of Christ, we are called to restore. This is our call. But Paul is not done yet. Paul is not done yet. He's not done with this message of freedom because the whole point of this book is that we are called to live free. But Paul is saying that we are called to restore those who have been caught, but we're also called that wherever we go now to sow seeds of freedom. You are called as a follower of Jesus that wherever you go to sow freedom. And here's what he says in verse 7. He says, don't be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that they will also reap. For the one who sows to their flesh, they will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Now what is Paul saying in that? He's saying that wherever you go, you're sowing seed. Whatever you do in every act of your life, you are sowing seed. Whether you're at work, whether you're at home, whether you're walking through the doors of Shoreline Community Church, whether you're on Facebook, whether you're on Instagram, and it's beyond, it boggles me how people think they can go on social media and go, oh, that's just my social media life. I can say whatever I want. You're sowing seed wherever you go and whatever you do. You're always sowing seed. Our life is always speaking wherever we go. There's no on-off switch to our life. Right? We know this, but this is the hard part, I think, for us to understand that we're constantly sowing seed. And here's the biggest truth that I would say to everybody, everybody in this room, and one of the biggest lessons that I've learned in my life thus far is this, that our greatest opportunity to sow into someone's life, our biggest opportunity often comes when we least expect it, doesn't it? Have you ever said somebody come up to you and say, man, when you said this or when you did this, it changed my life? And you were going, what did I do? When did I do that? How did that happen? I've had people that I didn't even know that were just watching saying, that changed my life. I've had people tell me about some of you. They've watched you, and you don't know it. And they said, when that person did this, it totally changed me, and you don't even know you were changing them. Isn't that awesome? We are always sowing seed. Nobody expects us to be perfect. They know you're not perfect. They know I'm not perfect. But what kind of seed are you throwing out? 
See, ministry happens in the everyday part of our life. That's when Jesus said, now go and make disciples. He didn't say go over there and then make disciples. He said, as you're going, everything that you do, every moment, you're making a disciple in every part. So even as you're going in the middle of that, one of the biggest things you can do, well, I'm not perfect, well, then tell them that. Hey, I, that, I don't know why I said that and why I did that. I'm sorry, please forgive me, I messed up. And now you just disciple that person in how to be vulnerable, how to be honest, and how to walk through mistakes and errors. Everyone loves apologies. Walk in that honesty. And he's saying that whatever you sow, you will reap. In other words, nothing remains hidden. He says, God will not be mocked. God made this. Whatever you sow, you will reap. Whatever you practice comes out. Do you know how you become a great artist? Practice. Write the old line, how do you get to Carnegie Hall? Practice, practice, practice. And take lessons from Pastor Michael. <laughs> practice, practice, practice. I remember when I was taking lessons, every teacher I always had tried to push me to the performance. At some point, at the end of the semester, at the end of several months, you've got to get up on stage, little Dwayne, and you've got to play this Beethoven sonata. Now, it scared me to death. But if I didn't know at some point there was going to be a performance, do you think I would have practiced very hard? No. I can fill out lesson practice sheets all the time. You know, he had a little sheet going on, and if I filled the sheet out that I did a half hour or five days a week, I'd get a piece of candy. Do you know I got a piece of candy every week? Do you know that I lied sometimes? Because, <laughs> baby, I can fill a sheet out. I can tell you all kinds of things. But my teacher wasn't concerned. you know why? He knew at some point there's a recital. At that point, he'll go, how you doing? How you feeling now? How does that feel to you? Not because he didn't like me. He loved me. He was pouring into my life. But see, that performance, it shows us. It's that part of whatever you sow, you will reap. And it's a good thing. Because there were recitals that I walked away from devastated. Guess what I did the day after the recital? I practiced like crazy. It's part of that honesty of trusting someone that they're in it for your good to help you. And the reality is, there's always someone watching. And I think sometimes we're blind to the recital that we're in. We don't always realize what we're sowing. And sometimes we're confused even about the seed, and we're confused what's going on around me, and the Spirit of the Lord is saying, what kind of seed are you sowing? See, Satan will do things in your life to shame you and to tell you how bad you are. The Spirit will come up and say, dude, you got the wrong seed. That's not how you do it here. Here's the right seed. Here's what you need to be doing. Forgive. Ask for forgiveness, but now get the right seed. Get your life speaking. Get pouring out into people. That's what the Proverbs says, to keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. See, our heart is a seed factory. Whatever's in it is going to come out. We need to keep it for the Lord and say, Lord, create in me a clean heart, O oh God, and renew a right spirit within me. And watch what kind of seeds start coming out. You understand what I'm saying? I'm, I'm not speaking a word of condemnation. 
I'm speaking a word of restoration to you today. If you've been sowing bad seed, you can take care of it. You can go to the person and say, man, I'm sorry, that's not what I was trying to do. You pray with me, pray for me, help hold me accountable, walk with me, show me what this means. Show me what this means. Because see, Paul, as he's wrapping this up, he gives us three big words. Three big words came off this. You know what the Apostle Paul is saying to us even today? He's saying to all of us that as you walk through this work of restoration, this work of sowing seed, he's saying to all of us, don't give up. Don't give up. Don't grow weary in well-doing because if you keep going, if you keep planting, if you keep going, you will reap a harvest. There's a harvest coming. There's a harvest coming. See, doing good can be exhausting. How many parents are exhausted from doing good? How many aunts and uncles? How many teachers? How many people at work are exhausted from doing good? How many tutors? Whatever you do, when you're doing good, you can feel exhausted. I'm telling you this, pulling weeds is exhausting. It's one of the worst and the least enjoyable parts of gardening. Gardeners don't talk about, man, I got the weed all day Saturday today, and it was amazing. It is hard work. And I'll say this even for most of our lives, most of the good that you do is unseen, isn't it? How many, you're like, man, I've did all this stuff, and nobody cares. Have you ever said that or felt that or heard that? Okay, all the honest people in the world said, yes, I have. We've all been there. Most of our good is unseen. No one's applauding you when you're pulling the weed out going, hey, Pastor Steve, good job pulling that weed out. Pastor Steve's a master gardener. And I don't know, maybe Melora says, hey, good job pulling that weed out. Does she say that to you? No, she doesn't, does she? Okay? No one applauds you when you're pulling weeds. Okay? But here's what Jesus said. Jesus said, God sees you. And your Father who sees in secret, he will reward you. He's a faithful rewarder. And not only that, God gave us the gift of each other. We need each other. Let me say this, I need you. I need you, we need each other. We need each other. That's why Paul said, let us do good to everyone, everyone, and especially those who are of the household of faith, because when we're doing good, we can get tired. We need encouragement to keep running the race. We need help when we get caught in the trap, someone to restore us and pull us out. We need help to keep our eyes on the prize in everything that we're going. If someone say, you're going the right way, keep doing it. I know there's a lot of good that you're doing that no one sees, but keep going, keep going. Can I help you? I've got a couple hours free this week. How can I be there for you? What can I do? Because, see, the harvest is a future season. Everybody wants to show up for the harvest. You have a harvest in your garden, and everyone's going to say, man, I'm here for the harvest. What do you got for me? I'm ready for it. People love harvest. I love the harvest. But most of our life is spent in preparing the ground. Most of our life is spent fixing the equipment. How many people you're fixing equipment all the time, okay? In your life, someone else's life, in your home. Most of our life is spent tilling the dirt, pulling the weeds out, getting the gear ready, making sure that you've got enough water going on. Trying to motivate the crew so they don't quit, right? You're going, hey, we got it. Harvest in the future. Keep going. Don't give up now. Don't just be spraying the weeds. Get down on your hands and knees. Start serving people. Start loving people. Because if you do, the harvest is coming. And the harvest is exciting. But the harvest is dependent on the process. 
If there's no process, if there's no farmer, if there's no crew out there working the ground, there is no harvest. Everyone say amen to that? There's no harvest without a process. And he's saying, don't give up. Stay in the fight. Keep sowing. Allow your life to be restored and then restore other people. See, here's what God is looking for. Here's what I believe that God is looking for. He's looking for men and women that are ready and willing to grow up spiritually and say, God, here I am. Speak. Your servant's listening. Men and women that are willing to deny their flesh, to deny everything and say, I am crucified with Christ. It is I who no longer live, but Christ who lives in me. I am crucified with Christ. And I no longer live, but it's Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. God is looking for men and women who are willing to live free. Men and women who are ready to live free. What that means, I'm crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. And the life that I now live in this flesh, I live by faith. Because Jesus, he loves me and he died for me. This is freedom. As we head into this Thanksgiving season and then into Advent and Christmas and on into the new year, God is looking for men and women to say, I am crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And if the Lord is speaking that word to you today, that challenge to say, are you ready to step up? Are you ready to grow? Are you ready to be spiritually mature? Not complaining about other people, but allow me to speak into your life, to pull that log out of your eye, and to use you in that work of restoration. Are you willing to get on the ground and to look at the plants and to gently, slowly pull the weeds out of people's lives and allow your life to be a life that I can come in and I can pull those weeds out? Are you ready to walk forward in that freedom? Are you ready to stand and say, God, I'm crucified with Christ? If that's your prayer this morning, I want to invite you just to stand up. Just to stand and say, I'm crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in this flesh, I live by faith. I am crucified by Christ. It's no longer I who live. Say that with me. I am crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Say again. I am crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Again, I am crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In me. Father, we thank you. We thank you for calling us. We thank you for loving us enough to die for us, that you weren't content to look at us and walk on by, but you saw us caught in the trap. And you got down in the dirt. And you rescued us and you restored us. And even now you're continuing. And with every head bowed, every eye closed, as you've been praying and listening to the Lord this morning, 
How many of you lift your hands and say, yeah, the Lord's dealing with me and some weeds in my life that he's, he, he wants to pull out. Just lift your hand. Lift your hand. Lift, lift. Lord, you've got some weeds in my life. I'm lifting my hands. Some weeds that you want to pull out, Lord. Do your work in us. Do your work in us, oh God. And this morning as we pause, I want to bring you back to that moment that the Lord revealed to you a log in your own eye that he wants to pull out. Today is the day of your freedom. You want to live free? Allow the Holy Spirit to reach in and say, let's get rid of that. You're judging other people. I'm looking at you. How are you doing? Let's get this out. Let's deal with this. Let's bring healing. Let's bring restoration today. And as we respond to the word of the Lord today, we gather around his table. The body representing, the bread representing the body that was broken for us. The cup of juice representing the blood of Jesus that heals us and restores us. Let me encourage you to allow this to be a moment with you and the Lord. Or maybe you need to go to somebody and say, you know what? I messed up with you. <laughs> Would you please forgive me? Restoration begins here first. If God's calling you to walk it and to restore, he's going to sharpen you first. Allow him to sharpen you. Or maybe you're going, I'm, I'm, I need some help. We have prayer teams around the side that have been praying, seeking the Lord for you on your behalf. Go to them. Allow them to pray for you. Or turn to the person next to you and say, you know what? Can you pray with me? Can you help me today? Go to the prayer wall. Write it down. Kneel where you are. Spread across these altars and pray. What? Respond. Do something. You've got to step out. But allow the Spirit to deal with you today. And let's walk in freedom. Amen. How many of you already experienced the freedom of the Lord today? Just lift your hands. Father, we're ready to receive the freedom from you, to walk in that freedom from you. Use us. Do your work in us as we walk in your name. Amen. Let's respond to the word of the Lord today.